0: Hey everybody, it's Sunday, January 19th, 2014, and today we are going to talk about rebranding. And in the last episode of Time, we talked about creating one from scratch. And today is going to be talking about pivoting and changing it up. And so this involves overhauling your goals, message, and really changing the company culture. And it's more than just changing a name or a logo. And so I was Googling some articles, trying to do research for this episode, and I came upon some top 10 disasters uh, kind of from these large corporate rebrands. So if you remember Tropicana, the very popular orange juice in the US, they used to have a big orange, I think, on the Main drink, and then they changed it to some other thing. It was a huge backlash. Uh, Pepsi recently changed their logo too. Didn't really look much different. Frankly, I didn't even notice. And the petroleum company BP, I think they had their spill in the US a couple years ago. It was a huge disaster too. And so, you know, when I was looking at this. How does this relate to us? Because these are huge multi billion dollar companies while we're just little, you know, solo e commerce entrepreneurs here. So I got my friend uh, Justin Cook over from Empire Flippers on the show this week where they recently changed from. AdSense Flippers to Empire Flippers last year. And if you're not familiar with AdSense, uh, it's basically like these Google niche sites that uh, they pay you a certain amount of money, like 10 cents, 5 cents, when someone clicks on your ad, basically. So he's gonna tell the story of how they changed uh, from this brand to a new one. And while it's not an e-commerce store per se, it's the same process that I found that a lot of people go through uh, at some point in the future, or whether it's a large multi-billion dollar company or one uh, like you and me. So before we start, I also want to give a shout out to listener Thomas Claflin. Uh, we met up in Vietnam, I think a week or two ago, and he's based out of here doing sourcing stuff. So uh, kind of like Matt Kowalik from High Capping in an earlier episode, they're basically doing the agency business. And so we are just talking about how you can get different things made here, whether they're bags, shirts, uh, bowling balls candles, all this type of things. And you're just getting a landscape of how much and kind of the timelines, regulations are different from China or say Bangladesh or anything else in Asia. So if you're looking to get in the sourcing game, his website is sourcinginvietnam.com. But a fair warning, uh, he was telling me beginners aren't really a good match because their customers that work well with them are looking to do, you know, orders of 50,000 or more, just because, you know, you're making a couple cents off the dollar and you need to have you know volume to make it work to make the economics work out too and for the office for the staff and all that things too so make sure you check out the site if this is something you're looking into and i hope you guys enjoy this episode don't deliver a product, deliver an experience you're listening to the build my online store podcast and i'm your host terry lynn we're here to talk about running an online store and building a strong e-commerce brand to take your online store to the next level If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com. Let's get on with the show
1: so justin uh what's up not much man thanks for having me on the show i really appreciate it's it been i'll tell you terry it's been great to watch your kind of journey into podcasting and as we've you know watched you grow and and build your own online empire with your podcast
0: (laughs) thanks man so there was a post i recently read called 33 things you should know as an entrepreneur by our friend mark manson and one of the taglines i borrowed was that uh, don't deliver a product deliver an experience so when you guys change from AdSense Slippers to Empire Flippers, how has that worked out for you guys in the past year or so?
1: So uh, delivering experience for people is something I was just talking to someone today about, Jonathan over at KiteLetter.com. Are you familiar with him? No, not I'm Not, re- not really. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, he does some of the uh, Gary V type customer love stuff. So basically he can write handwritten letters uh, to your customers, you know, thanking them for their purchase and that kind of thing. So it's kind of a step in that direction. And These are the types of things that we're looking at doing. Another thing you can do, um, and I think we're going to start implementing are. Uh, things like you know, uh, stalking our customers on Twitter, or Facebook, finding out what their interests are. Say, for example, we have a customer that's a San Diego Chargers fan, and they've bought a couple of uh, websites from us. You know, why don't we send them a Chargers jersey? You know what I mean? Why don't we like, give them the extra love? These these things that I think will you know attract them to our brand more and move them down the value chain from you know regular reader to fan or super fan.
0: Yeah, there was this Gary V video I saw where I think he had one of his biggest wine library customers or his wine business, and then. The guy on Twitter just basically was cussing out the sports team like they were losing, and then whenever they want, he'd get really happy. And then he sent him like a signed jersey on eBay, and he said like, "No one's ever done this to me before." And like,
1: how cool is that? And the opportunity to go viral for like a really positive message. Uh, you know, I remember uh, Derek Sivers from CD Baby used to send nice little emails to people, and they'd buy CDs. But right before when they were finishing the order, uh, he would ask them like, "Was there anything extra we can do for you?" And left it like that, open ended. And people would ask for these kind of like random crazy things. And if they were able to, they would deliver that in the package. And so what that turned into are these people that are buying music and getting, you know, like a rubber chicken in the, in the package as well, all these crazy things. But then they would put it on Facebook and it would get all this viral attention and like, you know, attract people, draw people to CD baby. And they got known for these things. Like that was part of their brand was that they do extra special, crazy things for their customers. That's fantastic. I mean, that's definitely the way things are going today. It's not the, you know, corporate form letter, you know, thank you so much. It's the more personal touch. Yeah, which is kind of like the old
0: PR. We have this official corporate message, but now you're really doing, as like Paul Graham says, it's things that aren't scalable, right? And it's these one-off things that really explode too.
1: And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sure some of your e-commerce uh, site guys are listening. They're going, yeah, I'd love to do that at some point, but we're just, we're too small for that. Or, you know, yeah, that's something I'd love to implement later. But I mean, it takes a lot of time and attention to do that. But I think the better time to do it is when you're small, when you get larger, it becomes, you know, you're probably less likely, less likely to do it. And one of the great ways to get bigger are, are, is to get your name out there, to get known for the, being that type of brand and having you know the potential for you know, people to tell other people those stories and and attract new people, new customers to your to your business. So
0: let's go back to your business a bit. So if we look at Empire Flippers now. What would you say the brand message of this business?
1: Is? Yeah. So it's it's changed a bit, and I think we're just starting to define what that really is. Uh, we had some ideas on what we thought it was, and and that's changed. So our history is Joe and I. We started off with an outsourcing company in the Philippines. We were, we were mid level managers in the U.S. and we you know outsourced ourselves basically and made our previous employer our client and came out here in the of doing that, uh, we ended up gaining some clients, losing some, and we ended up with a bunch of agents that were working for us that had, you know, leftover time. So we started building out niche sites that were profitable and, and uh, getting them up and earning and then selling those niche sites. So we became kind of known as the niche site guys, right? Because we talked about our exact process on our blog. Um, shared, you know, exactly what we're doing to build these profitable sites so other people could follow along too. So we kind of filled that niche site guy's role and it was great for us in that it uh, you know, drew a lot of attention and got some audience built up uh, relatively quickly. But we were pretty limited over time as just being the niche site guys. And I think Joe and I want to talk about things that were solving bigger problems. A lot of the sites we were selling were small, you know, $40 a month earners. And that's great for someone that's just starting off, that wants to get their feet wet with a profitable website. I mean, it's a lot better than building sites that don't earn anything, but it's it's not really at the level we wanted to be. So we want to start talking to, you know, business owners that were selling 3,000, $4,000 a month sites. How do we, how do we break into that? that? that. So we just started doing it. And we realized that we were getting a bit outside of our next brand, which is AdSense Flippers. Another problem we noticed is that people were thinking that we were just the niche site guys. And they were talking about us in ways that, you know, sounded like, oh, you can just build a business by building small niche sites and selling them. That's a full on business. But before we get into that, let me just understand this. So you guys were making like these little maybe like five, 10 page
0: Google sites with AdSense. And then whenever they made, say, $40 a month, you would just flip that. And then reinvest it into making more, right?
1: Yeah. So we had people that were looking to buy them and you know expand them or just keep them for the passive income. But we were churning out you know dozens, hundreds, and eventually thousands of these small niche sites that were earning online. Mm-hmm. And so how did you make the transition into say something bigger, or how did you guys come up with the concept for that? A lot of our audience, they were following us initially because of that niche site stuff. So you know us laying out the process for the, this niche site creation. Over time, we started talking more about kind of our business strategy strategies, how we build teams in the Philippines, our SOPs that we create, uh, and started talking more about like the business strategy that, that we use. And we really enjoyed it. And we were getting a response from people on that type of content. And we said, look, you know, we're, we're a bit beyond the niche site stuff. Let's Let's expand our brand. Let's talk more about empire building and not just one, you know, facet of our business. So that's, that's kind of how it came about. Another thing we noticed too, is that, you know, the way people were describing what we were doing, we thought wasn't accurate. You can build a couple of niche sites and you'll have a business. We actually did a podcast episode on it called niche sites are not a business where we started talking about kind of, you know, the bigger picture of what we were doing. And we thought it was important to share that if, if the message was being, I think, missed. And so when you
0: say your message wasn't really what you wanted to resonate with the audience, Uh, Like, how is it
1: different besides just being known as a niche site, guys? And when did you realize that this wasn't really where you wanted to be? You know, a brand is really when people are talking about you behind your back or the way they describe you to their friends, that's really going to be defining your brand, not what they tell you they think about you. You you know what I mean? So by listening to what they're saying about us on forums or on other blogs. We started to realize that our message wasn't clear, and that we need to we need to up our game, basically. Um, and so that's when Joe and I started to put together the idea to switch from Ads and Flippers to Empire Flippers, and the goal was to really talk about. You know, uh, more of what was behind our business, like, you know, the inner workings of, you know, how to, for example, how to add new profit streams, how to cut your losses uh, when something's not working out, you know, how to scale a team, how to pass responsibilities on to someone else that can do them efficiently. And I think these were a bit outside of just niche site creation.
0: For the kind of discrepancy between what you started and what the audience thinks, do you think it was like an execution
1: problem or? kind of just the way you guys were presenting yourself it's a good question i think it probably had to do with the fact that we wanted to start with something that was very clear and very safe for us so building out these neat niche sites we had down to a t we knew exactly the process and we could talk about that very clearly whereas you know selling businesses or larger sites 500 a month thousand dollar a month three thousand dollar a month sites were kind of outside of our sphere. So that was scary territory to move into. It was safer to stick to just talking about building niche sites and a little scarier to move move on, right? Move into different areas. So I think that's what held us back from doing it for a while. And eventually, you know, we realized that we do have an audience that is interested in that. And as we put out more content about that, we're finding more of that audience. At first, it was just us selling our own sites uh, on ads and slippers. When we started Empire Flippers in March 2013, we allowed other people to broker their sites with us. So as we added these new types of sites, let's say product sites, affiliate sites that were making 500, 1000, $2,000, $4,000 $2,000, 4000 a month. Just the fact that we had that content out there was starting to attract the right people. So we started adding buyers that were looking for 10, 20, $30,000 sites. Whereas before they were looking for 500 to $3,000 sites. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it kind of came more naturally rather than a sharp pitter, right, where kind of the audience was just asking you for certain services and then you guys just followed along. It did. And so funny enough, we had people ask. So the whole time we had been creating these niche sites and we didn't want to offer any products or services, really. We just said, look, we've got a team. They're insular. They are kind of knocking this stuff out for ourselves. We're talking about it and we'll explain how you can do it yourself. But we don't really want to offer the products and services that go with it, uh, because we did, we weren't really set up for it. Like our team just worked internally, and we didn't have a front-facing way to deliver, you know, uh, pieces of the, the process. And, you know, we said, let's change that. Let's try to chunk it out. We'll have uh, small teams, for example, we'll have a team that does keyword research, a small team of people. We have a small team of people to do content, a small team of people to do site setup. And then each of those teams, we can offer products and services from them through, you know, we use Zendesk for support and then see how it goes. And it really took off. So we started that this year and we've added, it's probably 12 to $15,000 a month in revenue that we weren't, that we didn't have before. So, and we'd fought it for this, the longest time, thinking, "Oh, we can't really do that. We're not really set up that way." And finally, you know, after so many requests for it, we said, "Oh, you know, we're we're getting requests for this. We should probably." We should probably offer this to our customers and it was a really good move. It was James Tramco, actually, along with a couple other things that really got us thinking about that, Um, along with like Build to Sell, the book built to Sell was fantastic, but James Tramco's approach to being able to, you know, service all your different customers' needs. As a percentage of revenue on your whole business, how would it break down between, say, these services that you guys added and kind of still selling niche sites? It's a good question. So I'd say, Products and services sold right now account for about... 25, 20 to 25% of our revenue. Half of our revenue is still from legacy outsourcing clients. And that was what we really you know originally started off with. And then the rest is through uh, site sales and then brokering. So we take a piece of any site, someone you know lists a, a $30,000 site with us, uh, we take 15%. So we'll end up with $4,500 on that sale. And then a portion of our, our revenue comes from that too. So about 20, 25% is through products and services today. In which
0: section do you see kind of as the future for you?
1: Guys? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. And it's really important as we're looking towards 2014 on kind of where we're going to go. You know, we had a strategy meeting when we sat down and said, okay, like, where do we see the most growth? We talked about that being our marketplace, uh, allowing other people to buy and sell their sites through us seems to be a really seems to really catch on it's odd to us because you have sites out there like flippa.com which is by it's like the eBay for buying and selling websites they're the biggest by far and it's the auction format and what we're, so we started asking our buyers like why would you buy from us and not flippa I mean they have so many different you know offerings and that kind of thing and And what we found is that people want vetted sites. They want to know that there's a certain quality criteria that comes with uh, purchasing the sites. And they're willing to, you know, go to us rather than Flippa because of that. So Flippa is great for, there's just so many starter sites. So a lot of people go there and will buy their starter sites when they're just getting started, but they'd rather go to guys like us when they want something that has been, pre-checked and passed you know at least some level of uh vetting gotcha and if we look at the other side of the equation you know you guys have built
0: an audience since uh adsense flippers now empire flippers and when you're bringing this new service do you are you finding that your audience needs to get used to it too because since they've come kind of from a legacy brand
1: yeah it's interesting so i was a little worried that some of the people that were just interested in building niche adsense sites might not come along that they might not be that interested but you know, for the people that have followed us for quite a long time, they're excited to see our transition and they're transitioning in their businesses too. So people have grown over the last few years and they're interested in different topics. They want to hear kind of where we're going. They want to, you know, uh, explain where they're going and get feedback on it. In fact, I, I saw someone mention that guy, I wish those guys would still talk about like ad placement for AdSense units. And I was like, you know, I, I feel for that. I totally get that. But I think when it comes to direction for your company and it comes to vision, you can only listen to your audience, your customers so far are, um, they're great for like helping you iterate and make small changes and improvements uh, to products, to services. But when it comes to, to vision, I think that has to be driven by the entrepreneur. So where do you draw the line for that? Then? Well, it depends on where you want to go. So um, I think this year we spent a lot of time iterating. So adding products that our customers were asking for and really trying to to understand them a bit uh, more so we can deliver better for them, deliver better products and services. But through 2014, I think we're going to do a lot more uh, of what we where we see our vision. And I think our vision is in the you know, supporting, building, buying, and selling in the $10,000 to $100,000 range. And, uh, and we're going to be more focused on that. Um, we'll see how great it turns out. But a great way, I think, uh, to approach this is we have, we've really broken down kind of our avatar or our you know, ideal customer. And we have three different areas. So we have the site builders, uh, the site buyers, and the site sellers. So all of our content um, that we publish will be focused on one or more of those groups. Um, our email sequencing. So, all of our, you know, when someone signs up for our, our email list, they don't just get the Empire Flippers email list anymore. They get one of those three tracks so that we're delivering the content that most interests them. And they can, you know, opt in or opt out of any of those tracks at any point. You know, it'll be more towards those three groups. And, and I think it'll be interesting to, to see which group fills up uh, faster, which group buys more products from us, which group. Uh, demands more of our time. So these are the things we're gonna start tracking through t- 2014, which I think will be great. Yeah,
0: interesting you bring this but This is something I started doing probably like half. A year ago, so basically, when I got into this game, like you look at e-commerce like what drop shipping, Amazon. You can make stuff in China. You can, you know, make supplements. You can do like subscription stuff. Like this, all it's all over the place, right? And I realized that if I have a general list, like there's no point because if I have a guy like Dan Andrews who's doing what like one million plus with his portable bars, cat furniture, versus a guy who's just doing an Amazon affiliate site, and they're on the same list, there's no way I can find something that works, right? So I actually need to separate them by different content. So what I did was, one was an ebook that said hey, how to find your first e-commerce idea, right? So whoever opts in this list, I know they don't have a store, so the content's much more beginner. And then the other one was for like a mastermind list where if you have a store, you want to meet other store owners to talk about your problems, you know, opt in here, I'll let you know when it launches. And Basically through that, I can determine,
1: okay, you know, how this is growing, how that's growing, and then at some point figure it out. At least you keep them in separate buckets too. Yeah, I love that, Terry, and I I felt bad about it because we had guys like, you know, Dan Norris, right, uh, was on our email list, but I'm sending him content about, you know, how to source, you know, uh, content for your niche site from HireWriters.com or iWriter or Fiverr or whatever. Like, why am I sending, why am I sending this guy? you know, that kind of content for niche sites that just seems so wrong on so many levels. So yeah, I think really breaking down the different types of audience or potential customers or actual customers you have and being able to send them the right message at the right time is is critical. So I'm really excited to be rolling this out. Um, We actually just started last week. So uh, we've basically been transitioning everyone into the right track that's right for them. Um, We actually, I had someone email me and say, well, I don't really fit any of those groups and I'm not really sure. Which one I should be? I didn't say it, but I was thinking to myself. Well, then maybe this isn't the stuff this for is, you, this right?
0: This isn't this website for you. Uh, right? There are lots of
1: other <laughs> blogs, and I, I didn't say that, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Because you know, these are the tracks I think that most of our audience fits into, and then there are people that aren't. Uh, like we have. Uh, people that listen to our podcast that don't care about building, buying, or selling sites, but they're really interested in kind of, you know, our entre- entrepreneurial journey and kind of, you know, how we maybe you know, deal with outsourcing or, you know, build uh, teams and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's fine too, but they, we just realized that they're probably not going to be a target for our content. All
0: right. So one thing I want to talk about too is in one of your latest episodes, you guys are talking about injecting personality into your brand. So what was that like starting out? Because I think a lot of people, when they first start their store or get into this online thing, they're like, you know, I want to look like some big company. and I don't want to put my face on the, you know, website. Like, how did you guys get over this fear at first?
1: So, yeah. So when, when Joe and I first came out to the Philippines and we were building our outsourcing company, like, we were like, you know, we're going to make this like Google, man. We're going to have beanbags. We're going to have like a PlayStation in the lounge. Like, it's going to be boss. And then that none of that really materialized. And we just kind of went the you know, the more corporate route and it just wasn't as fun. It wasn't as fun for, I mean, not the police stations and the beanbags, but that, that culture, that feel, that vibe for the business wasn't there. Um, and the, the reason we got started with it, with the new brand, with adsense flippers was because we, we didn't care. We weren't relying on AdSense Flippers for, you know, to pay our bills or for anything really. It was just kind of an extra a side project. So the fact that, it didn't matter to, as much to us. I said, screw it, let's make this fun for us and let's make it the way we would want it to be if we were starting off from scratch. We had some fears about trying to do that with the outsourcing company after we are already established. Like, what would that mean and how would that go? So we took a risk with a new company and that totally changed our idea on like the way you should do it. Even e- looking back now, we should have made the switch for our outsourcing company. It was silly not to. I-, I wouldn't build another business that didn't, that wasn't personality-driven to some degree. That didn't have our personality in it. Um, it's there's been a ton of things. I'd really recommend checking out that episode. But yeah, that's that's the new that's the business of the future for us. No question. Yeah. So a lot of people probably think, you know, who am I to put my personality out there? So. When did you guys realize that this was really resonating with your audience? I, I'm still surprised sometimes. You know, we we just kind of donk around on the podcast and say silly stuff, and and uh, you know, but I think I think there's an audience out there for everyone. So you know, everyone goes, oh well, I don't know, I'm not really that. I don't have that much to say. You'd be surprised. I mean, online, you're going to find a tribe. You're going to find what you say resonates with a certain group of people. So. I, you know, try it is the best thing to do. Start injecting personality into your business. See how you can make it more you. Um, Aside from the fact that it's going to resonate with the types of customers you want, it's going to feel better. You're going to like it more. It's funny when you see kind of the, uh, the corporate types, you know, trying to get into the media, but they're not embracing it the way that they should. So you have this like really stuffy podcast, and you're like, what? Like, it's just not, that just doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. Like, you know, you, you got to put a bit more of yourself into it, or, or you're just, it, it's not going to work for people. And so uh,
0: now that you guys are kind of repositioning Empire Flippers in the you know, away from these kind of the niche act guys uh, thing, what have been some unforeseen challenges that you've seen along the way kind of since then?
1: So I think. One thing I think we didn't do very well when we transitioned from AdSense Flippers to Empire Flippers was we weren't very clear. I thought we were. I thought we made our, our messaging very clear, but it, it, it wasn't. So it was kind of this like limping into Empire Flippers that I think if we had to do over, uh, I'd do it differently and make a much cleaner, more grander um, change. Uh, you know, some of the tactical stuff, like our website was a bit of a mess. <laughs> we switched the brand, like all of our 301 redirects and stuff. Um, so make sure it, the guy that was doing it for us in uh, a bailing out right before we went live so yeah the Monday we went live he was no longer with us um, so that was scary so, so when you say limping are you talking about like design elements on the
0: site like color stuff wasn't a complete 180 change or
1: yeah f- uh, functionality so yeah our, our the look and feel of our site was completely different the functionality on the site was completely different so I mean limping in the fact that it just didn't look right the responsive design was off email signups were off it was, it was a bit of a a mess, but not just that, I'm not just talking about the site either, I'm also talking about our messaging. So, we kind of were like the knit site guys that now have products and services. Right, so we didn't really get away. I think we didn't uh, message our change that clearly. The fact that you know we were looking more into building, buying, and selling small businesses instead of just niche content sites, and I think we are now. So we've we've done that transition, but it was a slower transition for us. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad idea, but that's that's the way it rolled out um, because of maybe some fear on our part or something holding us back. But we eventually got there. We're there now, uh, toward the end of 2013, and we'll continue through 2014. Mm -hmm. So what were you guys scared of when you guys wanted to make the transition? Well, like, you know, what if we lose audience, right? What if we lose revenue? What if we, you know, just don't resonate with the same audience? What if we fail at talking and producing content on this new direction, right? Uh, what if we lose some of our business identity? I mean, these are all things that are running through your head when you're thinking about doing a brand switch. Um, the fact that it's less comfortable territory for you, um, is a bit nerve wracking. I mean, when you're talking about something that you know extremely well, like the back of your hand, it's so much easier um, than having to go and learn something new and then talk about it and, you know, talk to experts about it and get into it. So, you know, there's some fear that goes along with that. It's good fear. I think it's motivating fear. Uh, but fear all the same. I think we're solving bigger problems, right? Like if we're helping people just get started building niche content, adsense sites online, that's one thing. And that's, that's helping people get to where they want to be through their site income or actually eventually replacing their jobs. But when we start talking about 1500, 2000, $3,000 sites, we're now talking about changing people's lives. I mean, you know, we're getting to the point where we're helping people sell sites that are going to make a significant difference. Uh, on their income. It's to make a significant difference for for the buyers. Like they could quit their job, move to Bali, hang out on the beach and live their life with their new site. Like that's impactful. I think this is helping to solve a a bigger problem for our customers, for both our buyers and our sellers. And, you know, it's good for us because obviously there's more opportunity in that space as well.
0: Right. So moving forward, uh, how are you guys going to measure the, the, Brand kind of changed with Empire Flippers now going into like the
1: brokerage sites, more high touch service model. Well, I think you know the fact that we've you know categorized into builders, buyers, and sellers, we can follow those those very distinct categories and see kind of where our audience is, uh, you know, what they're looking for and meet their needs in those different ways. So depending on, you know, those three different areas, we can focus in on the ones that need a bit more touch uh, that we think are gonna help get us to the next level. So it'll be based on on you know category categorization of ideal customers.
0: Mm-hmm. When you look back at say the AdSense Slippers switch to Empire Flippers versus the smaller kind of pivot within Empire Flippers now. Do you still find the fear there? Was the resistance
1: less than it was before? I think we really pushed or passed the buck, or you know, put kick the can down the road, so to speak, on our AdSense flippers to empire, flippers brand. I don't think we did that uh, the way that we should have, and I think that we're doing it now. So we're, we've slowly been heading in that direction, and I think what held us back from doing it initially was you know all the fears I mentioned before. Um, but we're we are we're taking that on today. So in the last couple of months, and I think through the first quarter of 2014, you're gonna see a significant uh, change and shift in kind of our content and you know what we're offering to our customers and, and readers and listeners. Gotcha. so this will be kind of different topics you guys are covering
0: on the podcast, blog, and kind of in your messaging.
1: Yeah, that's right. Is, that's why it's kind of interesting to talk to you about this today, Terry, is because I think there are some things we did right and we had the right idea, but we didn't execute on the Adsense Flippers to Empire Flippers transition as well as we probably should have. So hopefully some of these uh, some of these mistakes will be helpful to your audience uh, if they're considering a, a brand shift. And, you know, the fact that we're now looking back and saying, yeah, we didn't really go for it like we should have and are looking to correct that. I think I think it'll be really interesting in the next couple of months. Uh, we can talk about how that kind of played out. Yeah, because It's interesting when I saw you guys
0: switch. Because I kind of heard you guys talking about it before, either through you know offline channels or on the podcast. I was like, oh, okay, these guys finally made a switch. But I guess you're saying a lot of people didn't really catch on to that too,
1: right? Yeah, man, they didn't. They were like, oh, yeah. Those empire flippers guys, yeah, they used to be ads and slippers, and they do a bunch of knit sites. Like that's, that's kind of the message. Like, no, no. It was just a name. It was just a one word change. For yeah, people. exactly. And it's so funny because you see that when people are talking to other people When you read it on message boards, you read it on blog posts and they're kind of just describing you or on Twitter where they don't even expect you to you know, respond and you see those and you're like, oh man, yeah, I, I did not message that correctly, right? Um. But it's helpful. I mean, like, I think, I think digging through and finding brand mentions and seeing what people are saying about you helped me realize that, right? Helped, helped show me that I, we didn't do that transition as well as we meant to. And so uh, it gives us an opportunity to correct it.
0: Well, I mean, everyone starts out that way, too. And so, you know, it is what it is. It's just the people who can figure out. Like, it's like when you're cooking pancakes, like the first pancake, you just throw it away. You just keep doing the second one, third one until you're there.
1: You know, one thing that I think does get a little harder is that... Um it's harder to make bigger sweeping changes when you have more to lose. one of the reasons that I think it was easier to transition or to to be out there and transparent with our business with and slippers was because it was brand new. Like we had nothing, it wasn't like we had anything to lose there. Whereas when you've built up something and you have more to lose, it's harder to make a grand sweeping change because you're worried about what you may lose. And yeah, I think that's something that we found when we switched to Empire Flippers was a bit of a, a weakness or hesitation there that we're finally dumping today. It was a slow transition, uh, but we're heading in the right direction.
0: It's like you're just upgrading your problems, right? Like say you can't find the audience, but now you have 100,000,
1: like what do you do with them? What if 500, you know, half of them go away, right? It becomes like the stakes are a lot higher, so. I don't want to lose that. But you know, honestly, is it such a bad thing is, let's say our podcast or blog audience drops, but we're helping people solve, a smaller group of people solve bigger problems, making more money along the way. I think that's, that's a good thing too. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. So I think my, my understanding is, is shifting to that being acceptable now. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's interesting
0: that when I first started – you because know, I found you guys – when I saw the job, you guys were like episode 30 something. Oh, wow. These guys, you know, are really smart. And then now here we're chatting about our fears and, you know, stuff we don't know about it. You know, you know it's stuff everyone goes through. So, you know, thanks for the honest chat. No, oh, thanks for
1: having me on, Chad. I really appreciate
0: it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, listener. You guys can find out more about Justin Cook and Joe Magnotti at EmpireFlippers.com. And Justin, how should we connect with you guys online? Yeah.
1: Check me out on Twitter at Empire Flippers and I'll uh, tweet you back. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, boss
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the Bill my Online store podcast if you want the show notes make sure to check out the website at Billmyonlinestore.com if you got an e-commerce store every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have and we're all there to support each other so if this sounds like your cup of tea make sure to check us out at Billmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.